The Power of Prayer podcast is a ministry of All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida. Each conversation is unique because of the topics and participants who join the Reverend Kathy Hewlin. It's our hope that by listening to these testimonies and discussions, your openness to hearing from God in prayer will grow and change the way you love Him, yourself, and others. Today's episode features conversations about life-changing and tangible experiences with God, navigating dry spells in one's relationship with God, and learning to pray as the Spirit teaches us. Let us listen as Reverend Kathy talks to members Vicki Chastang, Jay Geary, and Phil Mays. gathered today um, to talk about prayer and each of us here today so we have uh, Vicki Chastang and Phil Mays, Jay Geary, myself Reverend Kathy and we're all part of Order St. Luke and so we've had uh, through that ministry an opportunity to pray for people and whether it's in the chapel after services or we are in the hospital visiting people, we're at their home visiting, or we have some a prayer appointment where we might be with somebody for an hour or more, that we have an opportunity to pray. And, and I've been thinking a lot about, you know, why do we pray? And there's all sorts of answers to that. And particularly if we're thinking about um, praying for someone for healing, then there's a different way that you would respond. And so I just want to set up to say for today, our conversation is really more about why pray, because it's an encounter, it's time with the Lord. So just kind of the very fundamental of the relationship, right? And I was in the daily lectionary, Acts 10 is at the very beginning talking about Cornelius, and that happened to be uh, for the reading today. And I was thinking about his encounter with the Lord. So I'll just read a few verses. It says, in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household, and he gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. So that how, is how it describes him. A person who's talking with the Lord is devout, has this relationship, and also it, it causes him to respond in a particular way that he's going to then give to others and care for others. Then it goes on to describe that he has this vision that one afternoon about three o'clock he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, like hearing his name, voice. So he experienced that. And so he stares at this angel of God, asks, what is it, Lord? And the angel responds, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. So then he, he starts to give a task or something for Cornelius to do. So I was thinking about just this encounter that he's a person in our scripture, a biblical example of someone who is spending time in prayer with God and then has an encounter of experiencing God. And so that's what I thought we would, would share about today and, and where our life experience has taken us, how God, how we've met him in times of prayer and what that's like. So I just open that up for our conversation and invite anyone as you feel led to respond to that. I would like to talk about how I <clears throat> became a member of the Order of St. Luke and the calling that I received from the Lord to do that. I mean, I've explained or I've related my, my healing encounter with God when I was at the healing conference in October of 2004. And it was a number of months later after I'd gone through all my treatments and gotten better and gone to Canada and camped out and all this other stuff and came back. And the question was whether or not I was going to become a member of the Order of St. Luke. And I was very hesitant to commit to that ministry simply because I didn't feel that I was spiritually mature enough to be a prayer intercessor for others. I mean, I prayed for myself lots of times, but I never really prayed for other people. I didn't feel like I had a prayer vocabulary, if you will, you know, to, to speak to, to the Lord. And I was just very, very not convinced that this was the calling for me. And I was going to meet with Father Reed and with Sister Jean, uh, who was the head of OSL at the time. And 
talk with them. It was sort of a vetting process. They wanted to talk to me about my intentions. At the time, I was I was a member of the Methodist Church still, and I met with Father Reed. I was going to meet with Father Reed and Sister Jean at eleven o'clock that morning, and um, I got up early that morning and uh, went out to the lanai, and I was rehearsing the speech I was going to give them, where I was going to decline the opportunity <laughs> to become a member of the Order of Saint Luke, and I was kind of mulling it over, mulling it over, mulling it over. Thinking, oh, you know, I'm not spiritually mature enough. And I, and I don't think I was really praying. I guess I might have been, in a sense, you know, praying in an indirect way to God. But the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And, you know, it wasn't like I heard a physical voice, but it was in my head very, very, uh, very much real, very real uh, presence of God. And he said to me, Jay, you know, when I sent out the 70 and the 12 to do healing and casting out demons and all the other things I've tasked them to do, they didn't tell me or didn't say to me, I'm not spiritually mature enough. They listened to me and they went. And the part about the I'm not spiritually mature enough was said in this kind of whiny voice that I heard. And, you know, the Lord wasn't mocking me, but he was basically illustrating to me just how silly that sounded and he was very clear to me to say that if you will accept this ministry that i'm inviting you to uh, partake in i won't let you down i'm not gonna i'm gonna have your back for whatever you encounter and at that point i had one of those you know kind of overwhelming moments and what was uh, that like it was like wetting my pants to be honest <laughs> with you I mean it was like what the heck you know and it was it was like I just let go and everything I had rehearsed up to that point just went out the window and I was just said thank you Lord I mean I was I knew what he wanted me to do and it was like I did a complete 180 reversed myself and I was all in at that point and, you know, the time I had spent for so long, you know, debating about whether I was going to do it or not seemed, you know, just non-existent. I mean, the, the decision that I made after that encounter with, with the Lord just completely changed me in a heartbeat. And uh, I went down and I, later in the day, I, I spoke with Father Reed and, and with Sister Jean and they were, they were laughing. They said, oh, really? And I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm, here I am if you want me. And they said, yeah, we watched it. So we went from there, and I got the materials, and then that was that. And uh, but I was very, very dead against becoming a member of the Order of Saint Luke because I didn't feel ready for it. I didn't feel, like I said, spiritually mature enough. And the Lord just completely disabused me of that thinking and said, "You, you will do. I want you to do this, and I will have your back." And the Lord does that for so many people. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking back to, again, I read from Acts 10 about Cornelius, and I didn't do the whole story, but that's what happens for Cornelius, about that he responds, he has an encounter with the Lord, he responds to that, and then his life continues on a new path, a new trajectory. And it's that openness, that willingness to say yes. Right? Correct. Um, so I like how the Lord works. I uh, the, pulled off from the internet earlier that this is from an article called A Skeptic's Path to Prayer. And the very opening sentence, so I don't know this person, it was just kind of a random search, but I was looking for what would a skeptic or cynic on prayer, what would they say? And, and so this is the opening statement. It's easy to depend on intellect and experience when everything is going well, but when hard times arrive, the self cannot bear the weight of our pain. Pain gives us the willingness to reach out to a greater force in the universe. Prayer is an invitation to this force to enter our lives. You may assume that a steadfast belief in God or some higher being is a prerequisite to begin a prayer practice, and this is not true. The more I pray, the more my faith grows. So someone who is then willing to be open to how God will grow and have your back, as you were sharing, Jay. So just that stepping forward in faith. So thank you for sharing. You know, Jay, your story is very, very familiar. Um, a lot of people feel that way about praying for other people, particularly. They feel like they don't 
have the vocabulary, as you mentioned, um, or that they're not spiritually mature enough. And their major concern also is that nothing will happen. You know, especially if they're praying for someone who's sick, you know, they'll feel like they don't have their faith isn't strong enough or they'll pray for them, lay hands on them and nothing will happen. And then what? And the liberating part of that is that it's not really up to us whether anything happens or not. Our commitment is only to pray and God does all the rest. And it's not dependent on our faith or how much faith we have to pray for someone or how much faith they have to actually receive that prayer. It's just praying and asking God to move on their behalf and watching it happen. And the more submitted we are to him, the more ill-equipped we feel, the more power there is in that prayer because God can really move because we get out of the way and let him do what he wants to do. And um, I remember just many, many times of praying for people and teaching people to pray for people. And they would say, you know, I just can't. And then uh, if the, with, with practice, with them laying hands on people, praying for people, they develop more confidence uh, that they can, they can do this, it's okay. And they relax more and they don't feel such a huge responsibility that I've got to pray, on the, pray for this person, they absolutely have to be healed. Yeah. I pray for people in the past who were terminally ill and they weren't healed in the physical in this earth but they were believers and they went to heaven and they were healed they received the ultimate healing why they weren't healed on this earth to continue their life and their work I don't know but I fortunately don't have to have that answer that's totally up to God so so many people can relate to what you just shared and would you say Vicki so as you are, you're talking about teaching people to pray, and, and that right there might be a concept for someone to think, why does someone need to teach me to pray? But, <laughs> mm. um, you know, I, I find that it really is I'm seeking more about, I'm just going to be in God's presence as I pray mm-hmm. to allow how I listen for God to, to then be the one ultimately teaching me how to pray. Right. Exactly. And then someone coming alongside to kind of affirm that as as they're hearing God speak to them and then they pray that, then we realize, oh, that is what God wanted me to pray. That is how I'm to be in his presence. Correct. Yes. That's the beauty of prayer. Again, just why pray? Like to be in God's presence, to be open to him and what he might say. The more time we spend in our own prayer time, Mm -hmm. just praying, the more familiar we become with his voice Mm -hmm. and the more confident we become that we are hearing his voice I've given this example lots of times um, that if I never talked to my husband and spent time with him and I received a phone call I wouldn't recognize his voice (laughs) (laughs) yes may I ask who's calling please (laughs) it's me we've been married 50 years you should know (laughs) who I am But um, that's it. You know, that helps. The more intimate time you spend with the Lord, just communing with him and listening, listening, listening. Um, that's, that's the thing. Because many times we go before him to pray, go into his presence to pray with our wish list, our, you know, our prayer list, instead of just going in and saying, Lord, I just want to be in your presence today. I just want to hear what you want me to do today and to hear your voice and to just be in your presence and get very, very calm. And as I said a few minutes ago, just sort of get yourself out of the way and relax. Um, in do, teaching people in some of the classes, and we do a practice of praying for people, we talk about listening to the Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us and people will sometimes well how do I do that because they have prayed for people for years and they've heard this person's prayer request and they start going through all the scriptures that they could say for this person for healing or for provision or whatever and for comfort and um, they're not you know they're trying to figure out now how do exactly how do I pray for this person and so my teaching is always get yourself out of the way just 
surrender yourself and say, you know, Lord, I'm just a blank slate and I have no idea how to do this. So I'm just going to be quiet and you talk to me and tell me what you want me to say. Amen. And that takes practice. It does to quiet ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this person who wrote on the internet, the skeptic's path to prayer later on in their story, they say it took a while to rewire myself. Yes. So it's a rewiring. Definitely. (laughs) So to stop figuring things out, shopping around for advice as they were trying to, to figure it all out. Answers formed by my intellect are biased and convincing, but logic never asks me to step outside a comfort zone or place someone before myself unless there's something in it for me. The insight I receive from prayer is subtle but clear if I stay tuned in. And then they use a practice of meditation um, to help remain open. And answers arrive in the form of a hunch, a person, an email, a phone call, or a tug in their heart. Um, so they're on this journey of trying to rewire themselves to, to be quiet and to listen and to be attuned to God's voice. I have this quote from St. Augustine. It says, whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. And that might be a way to, again, just be attuned to, to God and where, where God's heart is, what God is trying to say to us. Are we thirsting for what he's thirsting for? And entering into that experience with him. I have a question. Um, have have any of you ever um, felt like you heard the voice of the Lord say to you, um, "I want you to go to someone, um, or I want you to call this person, and I want you to pray for them," and you go, "Well, I have no idea what to pray. You know, I don't know what to say," and the Lord just says, "Contact." get in touch with them go to them or like giving you step one right yeah yeah and we there's scripture um Mm -hmm. so many times when he directed people you know go to this house and you'll see this person like cornelius yes Yes. like cornelius just go and do and um if you did how did you respond to that did you do it (laughs) or did you wonder i don't want to put anybody on the spot but time for confession everybody's kind of (laughs) chuckling around the table here so i think i'm not alone if i had to say yeah there are times that i didn't do it or yes there are times i did so and and that's the case for me i no he's never spoken in that term but something will lay heavy on my heart so to speak for a person and um and it will um it will sit there and kind of annoy me <laughs> if you want to put it like that and needle you and, maybe but but um i try to answer the call when it happens but like you were talking about the uh, um, prayer takes i think it's the whole western perspective on prayer is tied into our culture that it's about us and I firmly believe that God is a relational God and that he wants to have us in communion with him. But just like anything else, you were talking about Graylin, and you you get to know someone and you get to uh, spend time with them and learn their way. But the hardest part is emptying yourself and find out it's not about me. And... um, that takes practice. It, well, well, when I say practice, it takes an effort to, to try to understand what's going on with the other person. Like we had in our class at um, Christian Healing Ministries, we listen, we learn, love, and we pray. And, and it takes us out of the equation. We, we're not concerned with how the person looks or what they do or anything like that. We're, we're trying to uh, grasps the message and that that takes an effort which um, for example the word love in our culture is probably the most abused word in the world but the the Christian spiritual side of love has I think several dimensions that prayer touches on about um, our relations, it starts with a relationship with God and then it extends. I think the more that you are in touch with how the Lord is directing you, and that's mine, sometimes I'll have a dry spell, I'll be honest with you, but sometimes it 
it feels very good. And I try to, to follow in that direction. And um, the, um, the other thing is, is getting over... I never had a real... There was nobody recruited me or anything, said you'd be good in order or something like that. I've never... Uh, they said, you, you know, you need to keep your distance. But... The, <laughs> but the, I doubt that. But... Uh, <laughs> um, what I was getting at when it never dawned on me, I, I prayed with uh, Kay Rooley and her father when he was pretty sick. And I don't know, it was just, I was actually, I was a usher at that time. And I saw it, I knew Jack, uh, Kay and her mother, and I, I felt directed to take part in it. And um, the irony of this whole thing is I went to that class four with Kay. Oh, yeah. Which is, but how people look at that, they, most people say, oh, that's not me. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up there and just pray with you and everything. And it is kind of daunting. It's almost like facing a large crowd. A lot of people get stage fright. They will not do it. But it, it, um, it's an opening up of yourself. It's an emptying of yourself and realize it's not about you. And, um, that was when I had that little experience there. Um, Kay and I were there the first day. At CHM? Yeah. Yeah. Christian Healing. And it was a review because we were in level four and it was a review of the first three. And came time to speak in tongues and be blessed and, and be baptized in the spirit. And so we had discussed that at, in the classes here. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, and uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I will never forget that as long as I live. And it. It just, it, it overcame me. And I, I, I actually said, no, this isn't happening. But uh, Kay and I had kind of mentioned it, you know, I'm just going to relax, go with the flow. And the next thing I know, I'm on the floor. And um, I really, um, I've had several spiritual encounters And, and that was the most dramatic, that one. And then the time when I was having my uh, medical issues and I didn't know what to do about this operation, whether to go with radiology and all this. <laughs> and I was getting out of the shower and I remember drying off and I was just, and I heard this voice say, cut it out. I mean, it was as clear as, in fact, I turned around and thought, that did not sound like my wife. <laughs> Who's here? And, and but I was open to that, and everything worked out. But the, but that um, the the point being, and is that God wants to have a relationship with us. We have to recognize that. Secondly, it's not about us. We are His creatures, but He wants to see us. Um, do the work that we were intended to do by our Creator. Yes. So, so I want to. I'm so glad that you shared sorry, of man. of having a, just a, a physical response, like you were on the floor and having an experience and responding to God's presence with you. And and I know I've had that experience. Vicky yes. has had that experience. Um, I'm not going to ask put Jay on the spot, but um, you know it is a way of encountering God that is so unique and beautiful and can happen multiple times and at times when you're not expecting it. And I think it comes from the openness, the vulnerability, that you're, you're willing to be present and, and aware of, of God's presence. Um, I actually had an experience in one of our worship services where that happened for me. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you about that, yes. if you would share it. Yes, um, it was, I believe it was an 850 service, but I was, in sitting in the sanctuary area and I just started feeling this tingling in my body and then just my heart rate I felt like was elevated you know just things physically were changing in me and I wanted to go with it but I also realized I'm kind of in a very strange spot to be in right now um, but I I just quietly let the person the verger sitting next to me know that I was okay but something was happening and I would dismiss myself and, and leave at an appropriate time. 
Um, and so I did, and I was able to come back in at the time um, before Holy Communion. But it's beautiful. Like, I, I take joy in that and am thankful that that can happen. Um, and a time recently that in a, a worship experience that that was starting to, to happen, and my first response sometimes can be, oh, not now, not now. <laughs> and, and then I quickly switch, no, no, I want this. I want this to happen. I want to receive what you're trying to tell me in this moment. Um, but I also, so I wanted to celebrate that. So thank you for sharing and, and um, giving me an opportunity to share. But recognize that not everybody is open to that. But there are ways that we can, um, you know, prepare ourselves to be more open and how God might um, do that. So like this person being a skeptic said at least they're on the journey to start listening in a particular way that they hadn't listened before. And I think that's step number one, that we all just at least try to listen, carve out space that we are listening and not talking and not busy and, you know, going fast, fast pace, but that we are, are saying, yes, God does talk, that I do believe God wants a relationship with me, that God cares about me as a person and will share with me. I have a question for both of you. Um, when you were experiencing this encounter with God, with the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> were you frightened? Was it uncomfortable for you? Or did you just sort of feel safe and comfortable and warm and that you were in a good place? I see you nodding yes. So. Yeah. It was, I, 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 at first, like I said, I wasn't sure what was happening. But uh, my knees started buckling, and I thought nobody thought, pushed I, you down, right? <laughs> nobody shoved nobody, you. <laughs> nobody touched me, and I'll save the quips for later. But yep. the, um, but yeah, I felt very warm. I felt um, the, the vision I had. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But he actually reached out to me, and I don't mind saying it. he said. This man is not dead. He is alive. It was like I remember the his hand was huge, and I physically saw him and his followers there, and I was half reclining wherever I was, and I didn't want to lose that feeling. I just I just went with it, um, and I and I I try to get that feeling back every now and then. But <clears throat> that's one thing about most people think. I guess it's the way they it's pictured in the um, in the movies and in some books that may happen, but for me it was a journey. It started out years ago, and and you start out in a routine of becoming acquainted, and then it gets better. That's the only way I can say it. It's hard for people to understand because we want things quick. It does not happen quick. Mm -hmm. This is and, uh, a, a developed relationship that you're continuing to that's work what, on. That's my humble opinion is. Yes. And, it's, and it's because we empty ourselves and we try to be. But that's not saying I'm perfect. Mm -hmm. Far from it. Mm -hmm. I, I battle it every day. Mm -hmm. But um, I just remember that feeling. And <laughs> we were sitting there. And, well, I, I finally got up and staggered back <laughs> I, we have a very close friend that's a um, uh, assemblies of god she was raised her father's minister and she she's been and they call it slain in the spirit and um i described it to her her name is vicky too <laughs> she's so oh, yeah you know it's like happens to me all the time and i'm thinking no it doesn't <laughs> but it, it may i and, mm. and but she had had several experiences that were similar but i just remember it was a best feeling I've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I know, Vicki, you'd pose the question just, you know, being slain in the spirit, is that a, a comforting feeling? Um, and I know, so the first experience I had was at Christian Healing Ministries, and I, I was just kind of studying what was happening. It was more of a sociology experiment for me at first, I have to say. And, and then as people were praying for me and what they were saying, I was taking it all in. And so, uh, I did have an experience there where God touched me, but on my drive home, because that was the last thing I experienced in Jacksonville that afternoon, and then I needed to get back to Lakeland. So I just start calling some people that would, 
would know more. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what was supposed to happen. Tell me what this is all about. I don't get this. You know, so my rational brain was trying to figure this out. And um, so I got some answers, but not, not completely settled for me. And then I was back at Christian Healing Ministries for uh, another one of their schools. And at that particular school, it just, it felt extremely natural and, and um, loving and experience I wanted to stay in for a long time and the way that my body responded and the way my spirit responded that I, I was just flat out on the floor for a really long time but my eyes were wide open I had a smile on my face I was just really enjoying being in God's presence from that um, so that that was transformative and um, so um, I know we're talking at length about this particular uh, topic but I and not again it has to be like an openness to receiving it but but if anybody that hears this wants to know more they by all means are, are welcome to ask and questions of any of us um, to just you know and we pray for and with them if they'd like to, to pursue that further um, I, I know earlier uh, you had said in the conversation Phil just about that you have some dry spells so kind of going in the opposite direction of <laughs> being fully present but that I think we all experience some kind of dry spell in our prayer life and maybe before we're done today we should just you know speak to that well how do we how do we manage those times Jay what how do you do that for yourself I guess I know when I'm spiritually dry when I <clears throat> when I just feel like I'm blocked yeah maybe with a, a particular individual or, or a particular problem or something it just it just feel blocked and it's not just necessarily when I'm trying to pray with other people it's in my own prayer life my own devotional life I just I just feel absolutely blocked and I don't know what it is sometimes and sometimes I I think well you know maybe I need to let go of this or, or you know be more faithful in some some other aspect of my relationship with the Lord but um, I trust him enough to know that it comes and goes, you know, that if I just, if I just turn it over to him, then I will be, you know, it's, it's not dryness. It's, it's more of a, how do I want to phrase this? Um, I know that, that I will be past that impediment to my uh, ability to, to, to do what he wants me to do sometimes. And, um, <clears throat> I think I think that's 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 the key there is to have the faith that that he's not going to let me go, you know that there are there are uh, times where issues in my own life um, get in the way of things, and that's that's what I've got to just realize is that that he's still there for me and he's going to help me let go of things or break through certain certain things um, that don't really I'm gonna say what every once in a while I'll have an issue with my own prayer ministry where I feel like I'm when I'm praying with somebody else that I just feel like oh man I'm not am I thinking too much on my own you know am I not being open to the spirit in this whole business but um, that's that's not often thankfully um, but I think it's a matter of just <clears throat> being open to what the Lord is doing and to recognize be 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 aware enough myself to know what's what's up mm -hmm. um you know it's um it's i don't know how to say it. i mean I'm, I'm a single person um i've got lots of other crazy stuff going on i'm still working at 70 years old which i, I don't get it but anyway <laughs> i am but uh you know it's just it's just it's, it's not the world of flesh and the devil as father he would say but but it's just a, it's the it's the world itself surrounding me that's trying to interfere with my relationship with, with God in terms of my my um, ministry with the Order of St. Luke. Mm -hmm. But if I just recognize it and, and submit to him and just say, okay, let it go, let it go, you know, let him come back into me and, and deal with it, it's like, okay. Because I mean, I'm a lawyer, and, and it's one of those things where you just want to control stuff. You want to be in charge of the argument. You want to, you want to set the set the standards for how the, the, the debate is going to take place or, or whatever. And it's, it's so ingrained in me 
that it's sometimes it's very difficult to let it go and and to shut it off and on you know in my prayer life with the lord is not something i'm able to do that easily Mm -hmm. but um fortunately for me i'm approaching retirement and pretty soon this is going to be turned off and and that'll be you know an issue in my life that i I pray will not um create dry spells in my in my Mm -hmm. prayer life so anyway and so I would hear you say being patient, right? And not, patient, yes. not mm-hmm. adding worry to it, anxiety to mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and recognizing that these, these ebbs and flows happen, mm-hmm. um, and then just trusting God to, to get you through that time. Right, so. right. I was having a conversation with someone recently, and they are, are very devout in their daily practices. They, they, every morning, spend time with the Lord, and they do a lot of... Um, pouring out into other people and ministering to other people but their their comment was that they felt very spiritually dry and because they've been in a situation where um, they're not in an area where they have other Christians and like other like-minded people believers that they can even have a conversation about the Lord Um, and um, so that that I think is one thing too is where community fellowship and community is important to spend time with people who believe and um, take an opportunity when possible to uh, just talk about the Lord and share experiences much like we're doing now. I was just thinking about how this can give us energy for the rest of the week mm-hmm. and you know, how it will continue to feed us and what we've shared with one another. Right. The importance of that. Yes. And to just have having the opportunity to um, just to converse with people, just to just to chill and hang, so to speak, you know, and uh, with with believers, that doesn't mean that we're all sitting around a table praying or, or reading our Bibles or anything, but there's something, spirit communes with spirit, and so there's something about doing that that is uplifting and encouraging and brings joy, and we can walk away from it and feel less dry, um, like we've taken a little bit of time to water in, in that desert place, and I just want to offer an observation. When I was healed by the Lord in 2004, and I mean, that to me is absolutely, I, I'd stake my life on it, you know, and I did, and here I am. So um, <clears throat> anyway, um, healing In that context, I mean, in any context, I think, particularly when I had a cancer, um, I wasn't immediately. It wasn't instant, okay. And I over the over the that was what, seventeen years ago. In that time period, I have come to to see the healing that I had as beginning the start of a process. It wasn't a discrete event that happened to stop. You know, okay, I was sick, now I'm well, okay, and, and move on from there. It was a process that was not only physical for me, um, but it was also mental, changed my thinking tremendously. Um, we'll go, that's another story altogether, but, but um, it, it changed my thinking and it changed my me spiritually the way I thought about the Lord and my thought about my relationship with him and over the years I see that healing is a is a process it has stages it goes you know sometimes it's like two steps forward one step back um, the, the, the image that came to my mind as we were talking just a few minutes ago it'd be like standing on a beach and the waves come in and they come up to you, and then they recede, and then they come in again, and then they recede, and everything, I mean, every time that happens, there's a change, to me at any rate, when I have that experience, there's something that changes in me. It's like, okay, you know, you did this, and now, you know, rest, and then it happens again, and, but it, it's it's constant. It's not, I, I can't control it. It's just something that, that happens the way I, I, I live my life and the way I relate to God, but I know He's always there. It's just a question of of the, the sort of the the ebb and flow of that 
relationship. Sometimes it's really, really, really strong and powerful, and other times it feels very, not tenuous, but, but weaker than I would like it to be. And I wish I could control it more, but I, I, after 17 years, I don't think I can. You know, I'm just kind of going with the, with what, with what, how, how he relates to me. You know, um, it's not how I relate to him; it's how he relates to me. And I'm just having to, okay, I'm. It's not a totally passive relationship, but it's something that that um, I give him more control than. Well, then I recognize, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so. like that you shared <clears throat> the image of being on a beach because I mm-hmm. think that's a, a beautiful um, just acknowledgement if, if that's where we can place ourselves and, and to see the tide going in and out mm-hmm. and, and uh, just acknowledging God's always present. Like you can trust that it's going to keep happening. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so God's always, this relationship is ongoing. It's just we have different experiences of it. And, and our, our role is to be on the beach, mm-hmm. to be there, to see it, to be part of it, to engage with it, right? to touch the water as it's mm-hmm. coming in, to get our feet in it. So. Well, having grown up on the beach, mm-hmm. you know, not all the waves are equally strong. Mm-hmm. Like you're describing, yeah. you know, some of them are just little, little washes up and others mm-hmm. want to knock you down. Right. No, and so that's very much like that relationship is, uh, is with God as we grow in it. He never, some people will say, you know, I just feel like I, God is just so distant. You know, I feel like I can't, I can't feel him anymore. Well, he's always there. You know, he really is. Um, your healing was not instantaneous. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was not. No. Mm-hmm. You yeah. had to still walk through a process to be completely cancer free. Right. Um, I mean, the Lord was there I, I, and yeah, you I mean, knew yeah i knew exactly what he told me i mean as i was walking up the, the sidewalk between city hall and, and the church just as i was passing my father al's office maybe that was uh-huh. <laughs> maybe that was part of it but no the lord said I mean, very very clearly he said the battle is won you need to do what your doctors are going to tell you and stick with it but the battle is won uh-huh. it's victory you know and i was like whoa you know i didn't i didn't know what to say i mean i was just overwhelmed and um you know, I had some tough moments, certainly going forward. And another few, it was probably another two and a half months or so, maybe two months, where I had some serious, not, yeah, I guess they would call them setbacks, um, just in terms of what the treatments were doing to me. Sure. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that the cancer was killing me; it was that the treatments were just beating me to death. And um, you know, but that was part of the deal. You know, you've got to do this. And, uh, you know, he was, he kept his promise. And uh, I had, I tried to talk to my doctor, you know, into understanding what I had gone through. Because he wanted to do surgery. I mean, he wanted to do do uh, some sort of an ectomy type of of operation on my, on the right side of my neck to take, take lymph nodes out. And I said, there's nothing here. I mean, I looked like I had the mumps on one side. That's how that's how how big the tumor was there, and it just phew, gone, absolutely gone. And he was kind of, eh, you know, okay, you know, but uh, it, it was. And I know other people have had similar uh, forms of cancer that I had, and they had the same issue with a secondary tumor in the neck, and they had to have the surgery, hmm. and they've got big scars. You know, it was like Frankenstein on one side of their neck, where where they went in there and they stripped out all these these lymph nodes. I didn't have that at all. You know, I mean, I have no thyroid. Okay, that's that's okay, but uh, other than that, you know, it was a good process. Same for you, Phil, wasn't it? You had to go through a process. You had a surgery. And- yeah. Yeah, but it, it wasn't as, as detailed. I, I feel very blessed. Mm-hmm. Mine was not only caught early, but I had several. My biggest um, challenge was deciding which way to go. Right, right. And uh, and 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 the doctors were good, and they would they'd set us up with other physicians or treatments, you know, radiologists and all this. And uh, my mind, my head was spinning because. 
<laughs> like I said, this isn't supposed to happen to me. I'm, I'm in perfect health, you know. I come here every year and get a physical and everything's great, but now you got the big C. And not that it, I don't know what would happen if I would just left it alone, but my point is, um, yeah, there was a process. There were decisions to be made that I didn't think I would ever have to make. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. But I trusted in the Lord, and uh, and it came through. And then the follow-up was the psychological impact to me was, well, physically, I thought I was going to bounce back in two months. That was the biggest mistake I ever had. I'm used to working through. That's another issue with, with my mentality has changed. And so I think I... I'll be back to work in two or three weeks, no problem. That was the biggest mistake I ever made. It took me about almost seven, eight months to fully recover. But I want to address something that um, people don't usually like to talk about when it comes to prayer. Because, not that it's me, but I've lived through this. What about when a loved one becomes terminally ill and we pray? And then we feel like there's no answer. Or that this is not supposed to be like this. And that, see, that's where, um, from these different aspects we're talking about, we're talking about, I mean, I, I consider so far, I'm, I'm fine. You, you're, I know you're going through your own battle. And Jay went through his, and and but exactly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but nothing sobers you more than when you face your mortality. We can talk about how much money you got, how strong you are, but that will straighten you out real quick. And when a doctor is sitting there telling you that you're the woman you love. Has, and I'll never forget this, has three weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe 11 months. And you're like, no, this isn't happening. You know, and, and um, <clears throat> what do you do? And, and there is no, but, but talk about, talk about, uh, uh, she took it with such grace. She was better than me, actually. But that type of situation, where is, you know, people want to know where is God. Well, today I understand it way better than I did then. But I had to go through that experience, and it's not. And I don't want to sound like it's about me, but it had. It, it's. I, I look at it in a totally different light. But that is one of the things that I have seen, because I went to some support groups after that, and that's when people get turned off to God in prayer. Richard Dawkins. That's exactly why he hates God. His 14-year-old daughter died of leukemia. And he has gone on a campaign to hate God. And I pray for his heart. <clears throat> but you hear it about Mother, because... What it all amounts to is we understand we're human. We are fallen, and the only hope we have is our resurrection and our belief. But people don't want to believe that. They, they, they don't want to listen to that part of it. It is hard to accept, but we are not the answer. We are not the answer. That's probably our biggest issue we think we can solve everything ourselves when it doesn't then it's somebody else's fault and then then you get all of this the 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 accusations and everything well you know god never do this and i heard people say it and i'm thinking well at the time i didn't i was numb to the to be honest with you because i was in my own little hell but it's just a thought (laughs) Could could we table that for a future yeah. conversation? Because that that's, sorry no, but I'm glad you shared that because that's a launching point. Like, 
that that would be its own topic for us to talk about. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I, I think it, it bears further discussion because mm-hmm. in my situation, you know, I have a, a profoundly handicapped child. Um, he's 37 years old. So I've been dealing with, you know, what <clears throat> felt like a smack in the face, you know, when, I, when he was first born um, for 37 years. But I will say this, and that's, that's maybe the, the next segue to our discussion, is that my son's issues drew me closer to the Lord. It did not push me away. Although there I know people who have had similar situations like Dawkins, and they just pushed pushed God away. They said, well, you know, how, you know, how, how dare you? Um, well, God dared <laughs> in my situation, and I can't say that. I mean, I'm I'm still grieved for my son, but at the same time, it's opened up whole new vistas, if you will, for me in terms of my relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, thank you for bringing that up, Phil, because mm-hmm. I think that's important. Yes, we can definitely make that our next topic yeah. to talk about. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, there are many people who experience that mm-hmm. and in many different areas. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily a terminal illness. Mm-hmm. Um, we've prayed with people who suffered just horrible, horrible um, physical or sexual abuse as children. Mm-hmm. And when we're ministering to them for inner healing, which is a whole different topic we can talk about because we've talked a lot about physical healing, um, frequently the question comes up, if God is so good or if God is always with us, why did he let this happen to me? Mm-hmm. So we have great opportunity for other topics. We do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, um, and just thinking about being close, developing our relationship and being patient with the Lord in that, in the way that we, I think I don't want to phrase it that way. Mm-hmm. Just, <laughs> he's patient with us. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but I'll just offer a prayer to kind of uh, be on the topic of why pray because of being close to the Lord, developing a relationship on that. So I'll offer a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do invite us into relationship and We each have a a different experience in that journey with you and that you are teaching us hour by hour, moment by moment, experience by experience, day by day, in ways that we um, see you and and acknowledge your calling to us, your invitation to us to love you and to know of your care for us. So I pray that each of us um, will be attentive to you and receive your gift to us this day and we pray this in the name of the father son and holy spirit amen amen well thank you all thank Thank you. you thank you